Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Well, Fratam, that music, that French music in the background, tells us that we are here in Lourdes on our pilgrimage with the Order of Malta. I'm Deacon yes. Jeff. I'm um, joined with, uh, by Fratam Mulligan. I'm really happy to be here, but I wasn't thinking about that music, Deacon Jeff. I was thinking about the beauty of the anointing mass where we were the other day. Uh, that's amazing. And I had several of the the Malad, right, which mm-hmm. is obviously we, we refer to the, our, our, our beloved Malad, who are essentially the sick, those who join us here. The, the reason why we are here on pilgrimage to Lourdes uh, and to, to see them, to offer them an opportunity uh, for anointing, but essentially for healing. I felt healing going on in that mass. Well, one of the one of the special moments of that mass was uh, the homily that was preached, and we we so we brought in the preacher. Yes, it's Father Pat Brennan. He's a passionist priest, uh, and you're out of Detroit, Michigan. Is that right? That's right. Well, Father Pat, I'm so glad that you're here and you're joining us here at the uh, in the French Catholic Cafe. Very happy to be here. So, when you're preaching. You realize, you look out, and, and what do you see? You see those that are suffering. Well, that's why we're there. It's, it's Our Lady who calls us to be here in Lourdes in the first place. And we're here because the Malads are here. Mm. And so you're not going to stand there in front of this amazing gathering of people and start pontificating. Right. You're not going to start theologizing with some kind of spirituality that's just going to go over people's head. You've got to talk directly to those who are carrying the cross, those who are suffering. That's why they're malads, and that's why they're here. So you speak to them. You speak to their heart. You speak to their suffering to try to bring meaning to that. And what's beautiful about it is is, is you also realize, and it's kind of nice sometimes to be able to, from the perspective of the sanctuary or the altar, to be able to look out and see that, that sea of faces. And it wasn't just... The malad, right? Not just those who are sick, but their companions. Though they're suffering as well, they're sure. carrying a cross as well, aren't Absolutely. they? Absolutely. And then the knights and dames and volunteers and all those gathered around, and even the ministers are all carrying crosses. That's right. Uh, they're centered and focused, I think, around the malads that were there. Sure. But still, all of us are carrying crosses. Well, that's well said because the malads might be the center, but frequently we say that we're all malads mm. in our own way. We've all got our own brokenness. And so when you're preaching to the Malads about suffering and brokenness, you know that you're touching the hearts of everyone because we all experience our own frailty, our own limitation, our own disappointments in life. You're speaking to everyone that's there. What frames the message when you're you're speaking to those who are suffering? Well, I think the challenge is always to, we're all going to suffer. The question is, what are we going to do with the suffering that comes our way in our life? Are we going to let it uh, make us discouraged with life and turn in on ourselves and give up? Or do we embrace the suffering somehow and find new life? It's the mystery of the suffering and death of Jesus that brings new life. It's Good Friday that brings Easter resurrection. And, And so we try to find meaning in the suffering. And we've got to make fundamental choices. I'm going to choose to look for meaning just as I can choose to turn in on myself and be resentful and bitter. 
The church has a beautiful expression of redemptive suffering. The idea that you know, in our suffering, we are also redeemed. And again, that's how Christ chose to save the world. That's right. right? He, he, he could have very easily just kind of shown up on the scene and, and baked a big strawberry cake and said, everybody eat this cake and you're saved and you go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And yet, instead of doing that, went through this entire process of suffering, of being spat upon, despised, chided, beaten, you know, stripped naked and hung on a cross. Sure. And, and experienced that. And I guess a lot of us feel that way right in our lives the day-to-day struggles but then sometimes we get a terrible uh diagnosis with an awful prognosis right because you're powerless yeah none of us wants to be powerless and in the, and, and god came among us to suffer to be powerless to show us the way and and we don't want to be powerless we want to be control in control of everything that's going to happen and when we're powerless, that's difficult. We have to surrender. And surrendering is very hard. But it's surrendering that brings the new life. So how does the surrendering bring the new life, right? So, because again, we're raised and taught to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, mm-hmm. that you need to save for your future. You need to make these choices and plan wisely and all these things. And again, we're, we seem to be told that we need to be in control, mm-hmm. whether it's our secular world or whatever. And yet the church teaches something vastly different and that is that we have to empty ourselves well it, it, jesus taught us something yes. vastly different and jesus was our model in in the midst of his, his sacred passion he entered the garden he was powerless he was terrified jesus knew very well what the cross was going to be like he'd seen it he'd seen the the, the pain inflicted the the mm. humiliation he knew that he knew it was coming and he was terrified but then there was that moment After he had dropped to his knees and said, Father, let this pass me by, Jesus is saying, Father, I don't don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know if I can carry this. Mm. Terrified. But then there's that moment where he surrenders. And it's those amazing words, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the transition. Something happens. And now he's empowered. And the same thing happens for us when we model ourselves and follow the example of Jesus, um, when we surrender. But some people think, see, surrender means I'm just fed up. Or I'm giving up, or I'm turning my back on God I'm and on everybody else. That's the end of it. No, that's, to me, that's capitulation. Surrender is, I can't handle this alone. I've gotten down on my knees. I've got nowhere else to go, like Abraham Lincoln said. Mm. I get down on my knees because I don't know where else to go. But now I find the Lord, and the Lord is there, and he says, join your suffering with mine. And now you're not carrying your cross alone, and now I'm twice as strong. I don't, I'm not weaker because I've surrendered. I'm stronger because I've surrendered. And I've said with Jesus, not my will, but thy will be done. And I get up, and I do what I have to do. That's amazing. It and, is. It's a tremendous And gift. it seems so simple. I know it's not always easy, and, and it usually takes time for something like this. Sure. Right, it's not something that instantly. No, you do this with like a faucet you turn on, and all of a no. sudden you're happy, and you're like Saint Paul, and rejoicing in your suffering. So, oh, thank God, I'm suffering. You know, sure. it's hard to get to that and, and that we, realization. And we learn more about that uh, as we're here in Lourdes, and we learn because the Malads teach us. They teach us that they're diagnosed with a terrible illness. They have to to deal with it and come to understand what it means, how it's going to affect their life, their relationships. 
I, I was very ill 20 years ago. Mm. I was in need of a transplant. I, I could have died at any moment. And I wasn't worried about myself. I was sitting there thinking, what about the people I love? What about my family that I love? You've got to work through that before you're ready to simply surrender. And it's, it's work. One of the beautiful things that I notice about when I get to meet, I've, I've been here six years, six times I've come to Lourdes, and, and not one time have I not experienced this, but the, you start to, in these groups, you start meeting with these malads, and it's amazing how when, when they come to this place, how much I receive joy from that They're so joy-filled. Yeah. So many of them are so joy- Now, sure. there is something heavy about the seriousness of the situation. Sure. And yet there's this beautiful a serenity or a, a peace or a, but then essentially a joy and some of these uh some of these malads crack the greatest jokes and they're just like they're 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 living in joy even amidst all this uh potentially uh, weighing down upon them that some people might not even be able to realize uh who they are and what they are anymore and they're even in their humanity because all the the, the pain has kind of weighed them down. And yet, and yet these beautiful malad, they find their strength in the Lord or, or uh, in the comfort of Mary, and, and they're just filled with joy. And there's a joy that comes because they also discover that they're not alone. Mm. You see, I think, and I think we're making a big mistake in our society because we have to anesthetize suffering. We want to r- remove suffering. We want to end suffering with uh, injections or pills or whatever. Uh, it's a huge mistake. Uh, we have the ability to love one another well enough to assure each other that you're not going to be alone. We can deal with the pain. Right. We can handle the pain. But the deepest fear I think people have is that they're going to be alone in their suffering. And the miracle of Lourdes, and this is the great miracle of Lourdes, is that you're not alone. Beautiful. You are not by yourself. Not only are the people that in your family who love you there by your side, but the church is by your side. The Lord is by your side. You're not alone. That's the miracle. The church always gives us great witnesses, and I, and I still to this day remember uh, Pope St. John Paul II, who t- to the very bitter end, and really it's not a bitter end, it was a joyous end, to the very end, right. l- sort of essentially saying, I'm not going anywhere un- until the Lord takes me. Mm-hmm. To, to, and, and many people think, oh, he's a weak man. He should, he should retire. He should step back. And yet he was really the image of, of suffering, the image of the Christ yes. to us. Yeah, the uh, contemporary suffering of Jesus on the cross. Beautiful. That ultimately brought new life. Well, we have more to talk about this uh, suffering that brings new life right after a break we're going to take. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Since the earliest days of the church, Mary, the mother of Jesus, has been a shining example of perfect Christianity and inspiration to believers throughout the world. After the course of her life here on earth was completed, Mary was assumed body and soul into heaven. For nearly two millennia now, she has demonstrated her intense motherly love for us all and her willingness to intercede to Christ on our behalf, offering comfort to those plagued by pain and sorrow. 
Take the case of a young African girl born in the Darfur region of southern Sudan in the early 1800s. We don't know her real name because she was bought and sold so many times that even she did not know her true identity. Her Muslim captors, who kidnapped her at age seven, named her Bakita. After many torturous years in slavery, marked by hard labor, unspeakable brutality, and even human branding, Bakita ended up in the hands of an Italian gentleman in the Sudan who took her back, as a slave, to Italy. She served as a house mother to a girl who was being taught by nuns. As she interacted with the sisters and followed along with the child's schoolwork, she felt drawn to the Catholic faith. She found hope in the teachings of the church, but as importantly, aid and comfort in the protective love of the Blessed Mother. Just a few years later, the Italian courts freed her. For the first time since age seven and after so many masters, the only master she would now serve was God. Bikita entered the Institute of St. Magdalene of Canosa, where she made her profession three years later. She took the name Josephine Bikita. She loved her faith and she flourished as a religious sister. She once said, Be good, love the Lord, pray for those who do not know Him. What a great grace it is to know God. Josephine always had a beautiful smile on her face, but inwardly she struggled with the scars of her captivity. On her deathbed, after so many dark and painful years as a slave, she started to let the chains of her memories drag her down. She pleaded with Mary for assistance. As she neared death, a great peace came over her, and she called out her final words, Our Lady, Our Lady. Her ensuing smile gave testimony that Mary did not abandon her in her final hour and would indeed lead her to the loving arms of her Savior. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. We have the freshly baked croissant. We have, we have some lovely water here. It's uh, font or maximum. Yeah. I don't know what it's maximum... It's a mineral water. It's big but water. It's a, it's a maximum mineral Apparently water. Apparently here in France they got very big water, and we have some here. Well, you know, the, the holy water here in Lourdes water is very famous. Now, this is not Lourdes water. This but is it's, not Lourdes water. But it's water in Lourdes, so it's maximum. Very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Tom, so this has been a great pilgrimage thus far. This really has. And it's not one of those things that's like just a tour we take, right? It's really a, a, an experience to be uh, with the Milans to essentially realize in our own selves that we also carry a cross and to participate in the the carrying of the cross. We all are on that journey, one way or another, aren't we? It's, it seems that the Malads are on their journey, mm. and we join them, and then all of a sudden we start to re- relate to things that are happening in our own lives. I know, it's so powerful. That's beautiful. Absolutely. So we have Father Pat Brennan, who's a passionist priest with us, um, and we're talking about suffering and, 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 I guess, enduring, living, Rejoicing. I don't know how we look at suffering other than just weaving it into our lives, right, Father Pat? Sure, I mean, and it's, find meaning in that. That's exactly right. The meaning is so is so important because if we don't find the meaning, then we then we we were confused, we're we're angry, and we don't know who to be angry with, and then maybe we fall into despair. Sure. You know, the church actually calls despair a sin. I mean, essentially because it's just giving up and turning your back on God altogether, and thinking even God can't save wretched me or. Why, why did this happen to me? But 
But certainly suffering is something that when we find the meaning and we look to the cross, we start to see something different. We start to see hope. That's a, it's a, that's a unique point of view to be at the foot of the cross looking up and seeing hope. And uh, sure. I, it's interesting that as a passionist priest, is that, that's part of the charism of the passionist. Tell us right. a little bit about that, uh, that charism. Well, we were founded by St. Paul of the Cross uh, in the 1700s, and he was a great mystic, and he had a tremendous love for Christ crucified. And he took that message to the poor, to the poor who were most broken, because he was trying to help them once again find meaning. He couldn't take away their suffering. He couldn't, uh, as, as Paul Claudel says, he can't. Jesus didn't come to remove the suffering. He came to fill it with his own presence. Right. You know, to give it meaning. And, and the meaning is found in the cross. When I look at the cross of Christ and when St. Paul of the Cross did, uh, I, I see love. Mm. I don't see the horror. I don't see terrible agony and all of that. I see tremendous love. So our, we take four vows. We take the regular vows of poverty, celibacy, obedience. But we take a special vow to keep alive in the hearts of all the faithful the, the memory of the passion of Jesus. We call it the memoria passionis. Mm. And it's not only the historical suffering of Jesus on the cross, but it's finding Jesus crucified in his people today and where people are being invited into the suffering and death of Jesus. Where families grow up in a home where there's no love, where there's addiction and drug addiction and, and brokenness, uh, where there's abuse, you know, where there's physical poverty, emotional poverty. Uh, the Christ is there, and he's suffering in the midst right. of his people. And instead of despair, we try to bring meaning and when you find that meaning, there's new life. And that's where the joy is that you were talking about. You become filled with a joy because it's, you can let go of yourself. And when you let go of yourself, you discover the Lord alive in you in new ways. And that's beautiful. And as a passionist, you know, that would mean that your mission essentially is to, is to put yourself into the middle of all of this suffering, death, destruction, grief. Sure, sure. Well, of course, that's... A, a natural reason why you would be here in, in Lourdes, right? It is why I'm here in Lourdes. It's a, a reflection of my ministry that I do all the time at our retreat center mm. in Detroit. Yeah, that's the St. Uh, Paul of the Cross Retreat Center in Detroit, right. Michigan. That's right. So we're here with, with the Malad, and it's nice when you can tell them a nice um, thing and, and, and help, help them ha- give them happy thoughts. You know, here are some happy thoughts. And, and yet, I know that's not what you do. Instead, it's, it's so meaningful and poignant, I think, when you're able to share with them the crosses that you've borne in your life, which are really... Essentially, it's it's not the same. You don't have the same diagnosis. You don't have the same experiences, but you have experiences mm-hmm. which help them realize that hey, this guy has experienced what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. Help us to know about some of the crosses you've borne. Well, doesn't it? It really matters uh, to people when they understand that you understand. Mm. When they have a sense that you know somebody's not just talking to me. They they've been where I am. They're walking alongside. Them. Yeah, they know what my suffering is because they've been there. They they've experienced the suffering. Years ago, I had been doing some missionary work um, in the Philippines. Got infected with a virus. Carried it for many years. Didn't even know I was carrying it. Wow. Uh, dropped into a coma in Los Angeles after my first year as retreat director at Madre Dolorosa. Uh, 
12 days in a coma, two months in the hospital, liver transplant. Goodness and by gracious. the grace of God, yeah, here I am. And it was a great gift. It was a tremendous gift. Because any moment, any night, I could move the wrong way and the stints could shift and I could bleed out and die. Or I could get the phone call and say, hey, there's a donor, come in, you're going to find new life. And it didn't matter what happened because I couldn't lose. I couldn't yeah. lose. No matter what happened, I was going to be with the Lord. If, if, if the Lord called me home, I would trust in his mercy. If I was going to get the transplant and continue, how could I lose? Now, where did that, tran- with me. that transplant come from? Uh, a donor, a female donor. Who, who decided to? Well, no, who had died in an accident. See, I, family I, I kind of suspected that, and I wonder, I guess, again, we see even your own personal resurrection tied to the sure. suffering and death of another. Sure. Right, to, to bring life. And, and so in my own life, I have to interpret what is the meaning of this suffering in my mm-hmm. own life. If I'm going to preach the cross and preach new life and hope, I have to live that in my own life, too. Uh, that's what I was doing at this Mass for the anointing. Yeah. Sharing with the Malads uh, a story with my father, who was very ill and standing there, and he was just feeling humiliated because we were having to care for him. He always wanted to be independent. Right. He's dad. Uh, yeah, he's dad. He's and, and I'm just his son. You know, he's my good Irish Catholic father, and right. he's very proud of his son, but he's very embarrassed that here he is, uh, naked before me as we try to take care of him. And, and yet uh, assuring him, Dad, you know, we love you so much. And he heard that, and he heard that. And the embarrassment, he said, I know you love me. It's okay now, isn't it? And I said, yes, Dad. Isn't that beautiful? It is. And just it the is. image of your father who, in, in embarrassing ways, uh, you know, you can imagine what happens when you're caring for someone who can't care for themselves in all the usual ways that we do. And they have to be cleaned at certain times or whatever. And this image you gave us of your, of your father with his hands yeah. on your shoulder. Yeah, he was, he was supporting himself. He had his hands on my shoulders. And I had my hands under his arms, mm-hmm. supporting him. He had nothing on. My sister was changing a, a colostomy. Right. Bag. It's not nice. I know. I and he was feeling humiliated. And I just heard him sigh and say, oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. I said, Dad, it's okay. We love you. We're with you. It's okay. And, and, and that's where he surrendered. And he knew he was loved. And it was okay. It was a very powerful moment for me. And it came out of my own reflection on my suffering, and it's something that I can share with others as they find meaning in their suffering. That's so beautiful. And I know that so many folks who are listening right now experience that daily in their lives. Perhaps they they have someone uh, who can't care for themselves. Perhaps they are someone who can't care for themselves, right? But then there's also other kinds of suffering, whether it's, you know, a, a, a child who's left the church or fallen into bad ways, uh, people struggling to uh, to find ways to make ends meet just to be put food on the table. Sure. Right? Uh, there's nothing more humiliating to a parent who can't provide Christmas to a child. Sure. Right? They think they're a failure. And just so many things that cause us to realize that um, that if we if we think we're by ourselves, we so easily see ourselves as failures and worthless. And yet, like your father, when you realized that you loved him 
and right, and especially, you know, in a real sense, you're in persona Christi, right? As a priest, you're the, you're Christ to your son, but at the same time, to know that he's not alone, sure, uh, sure. is such and, a beautiful and, gift. And, and all those things you you listed about the the crosses people bear, um, you know, caregivers, people dealing with spouses now who have Alzheimer's and all that brokenness. Uh, there's an opportunity for them to find hope. But there's also a challenge for us who share in that suffering to make some decisions to do something about the cross in people's lives. Right. Because once we discover that the contemporary passion of Jesus arrives before us in families that are hit by addiction and in, in infidelity and in, in all those things, we've got to respond to that cross in their life. It's not enough just to say, well, I'll pray for you. I've got to enter into that brokenness. I've got to become vulnerable. I've got to tell them I love them, and not just word, with words. I've got to enter into that and be ready to help them carry that cross in whatever way I possibly can. That's probably the biggest challenge that I think we've ever laid out on this program, because a lot of times you, you, you want to you have fast, easy answers, and, and the best answers aren't fast, and they're not easy. Not at all. But... When you do them, they're the most profound and the most glorious and beautiful because essentially it connects you with, with God Almighty immediately. Well, what, right? what do you think was going on in the mind of Simon of Cyrene? Yeah. You know, he couldn't possibly know that this is the Savior. And yet how could he possibly be that close to him, carrying that cross with him, and not have something happen? Who would have dreamed? He never would have dreamed that he was going to be that close to the Lord. And I trust that he would never be the same again after that experience. Amen. When we help other people carry their crosses, we will never be the same again. We I know. will be made anew, and that's the new life. We won't be the same again either, having come to Lourdes and experienced all the crosses that we see before us, but also the ones that we bring here ourselves. But just experiencing the Malad uh, is something that's changed all of us, hasn't it? That's right. Father Pat Brennan, thank you so much for being with us here uh, you, you know, at the Catholic Cafe. And I'll tell you what, uh, Fra Tom, as we always do, we're here in Lourdes and, and we're under the, the protection of our Blessed Mother. And so let's invoke her name and uh, pray a Hail Mary on behalf of all of those who are sick and suffering and all those who care for them, all those who are in need right now of compassion and all those who need to be charged to offer Christ's compassion to others. Shall we do that? Sure. Yes. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.